This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 46. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 32. Mostly sunny Friday with a high near 55. The Cornell University junior accused of threatening Jewish students at the school is being held at the Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson. Patrick Day of Pittsford was arrested Tuesday in connection with threats posted in the Cornell section of an online discussion site. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar said Day is being housed in the medical wing of the jail on Front Street just north of Binghamton. In a statement released Wednesday afternoon, Akshar said the sheriff's office has an agreement with the U.S. Marshals Service to house federal inmates at the jail when needed. He said Patrick Day will remain at the jail at their discretion. Akshar said Day is being held under 24-hour supervision in line with their policies given the details of his charges. Day was arrested on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure someone using interstate communications. Day allegedly made posts calling for the killing of Jewish people. One post indicated he was going to shoot up a Cornell dining hall located next to the university's Jewish center. Akshar said it's the responsibility of the sheriff's office to ensure the health and safety of those in our care, no matter how heinous their, heinous their alleged crimes may be. He said Day will receive the same treatment and protection under the law as anyone else held at the jail. New York State police investigators in Endwell continue to search for Brandon Williams, who was last seen on March 11, 2019. Anyone who has not spoken to state police and has information about Williams or knows what happened to him is asked to call the New York State police in Endwell. At the time that Brandon went missing, he was 32 years old, weighing about 220 pounds and 6'2 in height. He was wearing a red hooded sweatshirt, gray jeans, black Converse sneakers, a New England's Patriots winter hat, and a tan Carhartt jacket with black writing on it. On October 31st, New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation in Norwich arrested Michael Salome of Frankfurt, New York, in connection with a renovation at home in Chenango County. Salome was charged with two counts of the Class D felony of grand larceny in the third degree, the Class E felony of scheme to defraud in the first degree, and the misdemeanor of petty larceny. A several-months-long investigation revealed that Salome entered into a contract to complete improvements to a home in the village of Sherburn. The homeowner said Salome paid Salome over $33,000, but he did not finish the work and also stopped communicating with the homeowners. Additionally, Salome hired a land survey company to complete a survey of the home. The survey company believed that they were paid and completed the survey, but then learned that Salome made a payment with a check that had insufficient funding. Salome also hired a subcontractor to complete some work at the residence, but never fully compensated the contractor for his completed work. Salome was arraigned in the Norwich City Court and is scheduled to appear at the Sherburn Village Court on November 16. Exterior construction work on a new Binghamton University Research and Development Building is about to wrap up. 
The 18,000-square-foot structure located on Corliss Avenue just west of Willow Street. The facility occupies space between the recently constructed pharmacy school building and the Decker College of Nursing and Health Sciences Complex. The nursing school operates in a former Endicott Johnson School and Carton Factory. Initial plans for the research and development building were announced in spring of 2017. The facility was expected to open in 2020, but development of the project was slowed by various factors. The size of the planned building was scaled back after bids for what was to be a $15 million project came in higher than expected. A Binghamton University spokesperson said work at the site now is focused on interior finishes. The job should be completed this fall. That would mean operations at the new building could get underway early next year. A court says Pennsylvania can enforce a regulation to make power plant owners pay for their plant warming greenhouse gas emissions. The ruling Wednesday by the Commonwealth Court is another setback for the centerpiece of former Governor Tom Wolf's plan to fight global warming. The court temporarily blocked it last year, and the new ruling makes that decision permanent. The plan would have made Pennsylvania the first major fossil fuel producing state to adopt a carbon pricing program. The court agreed with Republican lawmakers and coal-related interests that the plan amounted to a tax that would require legislative approval. It would be up to Wolf's successor, Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro, to decide whether to appeal. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. 607-772-1290 is the official number. Please don't use cheap imitations. Use only the official number, 607-772-1290. Efforts to contact the program using unauthorized numbers will be dealt with. <laughs> anyway, welcome to my world. Everything is off to a fabulous start. Weekend is almost in sight. The only problem I see is it's about eight months till summer, but eight months till summer, six months till spring, and then the um, people in charge of clocks are going to force us to change the clocks this weekend. I have to hire a person to fix all <laughs> the time devices. Uh, why don't they just Pick a time. I say this at least twice a year. Pick a time, any time, and then just stick with it. 
Well, I think we should change the clocks uh, twice a year. Uh, Pick a time. I don't care. You you tell me what time you want us to start using effective January 1st. Give us a, about two months to prepare uh, mentally, emotionally, physically. Make the changes that will be necessary. And just pick a time. And then let's keep it. Well, well that's not any fun. Uh, people uh, love changing uh, their clocks and watches and computers and every conceivable device that doesn't have an automated change function. So, anyway. Daylight saving, standard time, eastern... What else do they have? What other times? Uh, Central. Mountain. Pacific. <laughs> uh, the show is dealing with the tough issues today. Anyway, we'll uh, see where the listeners take us. 607-772-1290. Taking a look at WNBF.com. The suspect in the Cornell University threat case is being held right here in Broome County at the jail on Front Street, the town of Dickinson. Uh, Patrick Day from Pittsford. Who do you know from Pittsford? Um... He uh, appeared in federal court briefly on Wednesday afternoon. It's been reported the 21-year-old Cornell Jr. is um, being charged with threatening Jewish students at Cornell. And the reports are... The reports are that he admitted making the threats. But we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, that's not that's not a guilty plea. It's not a guilty plea to the charges. It's apparently something that he acknowledged while he was being questioned by investigators. So what happens next in that case? Who knows? Probably drag on for several months. Perhaps still uh, reach a plea deal. But the story is receiving nationwide coverage. Nationwide coverage. And I'm not sure if it's receiving this much coverage outside the region because it involves Cornell University or say if it happened elsewhere it would still receive say if it involved another institution in upstate New York would it receive the same degree of coverage I don't know at any rate he uh 
I guess for the time being, is being held at the uh, medical unit. Medical unit. They're keeping a close watch. Keeping a close watch on Mr. Die. I believe his father texted something to the New York Post. I believe, I believe the New York Post reported that it had received a text from the man's father indicating that uh, their son, or his son, is having some serious problems. This is the story in the New York Post. The uh, Cornell student accused of making violent threats against his Jewish peers is an engineering student who suffers from such severe depression that his mother worried he was on the brink of suicide just moments before his arrest. Investigators traced the Post to Patrick Dye's IP address at his off-campus apartment where he allegedly admitted to being the culprit, according to a federal complaint. His parents believe he's innocent. His father, who asked that his name not be used, told the New York Post in a text message, my son is in severe depression. He cannot control his emotion well due to the depression. No, I don't think he committed the crime. His parents said he sank into a deep depression in 2021 after he started his engineering studies at Cornell. He entered the school as one of five National Merit Scholars named at Pittsburgh Menden High School and as a 12-time AP Scholar who also logged time volunteering at Rochester General Hospital. At Cornell, he worked as an undergraduate consultant helping to tutor other engineering students with a computer programming language and as the director of logistics for the school's science olympiad. Patrick Dye also worked as an orientation leader and was promoted to supervisor after only two months on the job, according to his LinkedIn page. His parents said he underwent a dramatic change after just one year. Though they adamantly emphasized he never had a history of violence. His father said he was always very nice to society, well-organized, helpful to my family and his classmates before 2021. Anyway, complicated story. We'll see what happens in that case. I'm sure ultimately prosecutors and a judge would work to take into account his past and what he may have been going through if indeed he made the threats it's a serious case but there might be potentially as the prosecutors decide what to do there might be um, some things they'll take into account going forward. So, it's 920 WNBF. Let's take a call. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's John in Binghamton. Do you think I have all day? No. 
But but once I started, I saw you. I saw you calling. I know. I I knew I knew who it was. Anyway, thank you for your patience. Your call is important to me. It's on your mind. Yeah. Well, Saturday, a unpermitted, uninsured, unapproved event is going on. It's what some people would call a pro Hamas demonstration. The problem I see is that uh, based on what has happened in the city after these events, this could be a potential trouble zone. <clears throat> and furthermore, I believe it is on the same MLK promenade is Wall Street, and that's where the new Center for Jewish Life is. So my question is, what kind of sane leadership do we have in the city of Binghamton's uh, mayoral suite? We have a, uh, a mayor and a, and a person that claims they're the deputy mayor. Uh, we have a city clerk. Their job is to take an application and approve the application, the permit process, which, by the way, has the name or names of personal of persons or people uh, responsible for the event. So here's an event that goes out. And uh, nobody's in charge. Nobody knows who's who's in charge. Nobody can be held accountable. There's no insurance in case somebody gets injured. Uh, what kind of city do we have in Binghamton? Well, at least they have advance notice. So it, it's not as oh. though it's an event that's being organized. You know, sometimes they have events not so much around here but elsewhere around the country they're organized on social media they're sort of um, flash events and it's difficult for authorities including the police to take appropriate action ahead of time because they just pop up unless they have well, an intelligent here's here's where it's important to have an intelligence center where law enforcement agencies can monitor social media for those pop-up events because they could happen. But to your point, this is an event that's being publicized well in advance. And should have should have responded immediately when I uh, notified Mr. Cram. Uh, yeah, th this is, you know, just uh, all Cram has to do is have a news conference. I was going to say, it's 9.22 a.m. There is still plenty of time in the news cycle to hold um, a media event. Um, we call them news conferences, um, make an announcement. Uh, and again, I don't provide advice. I'm just pointing out that here we are very early on Thursday. So it seems to me if the mayor and the police chief and anybody else affiliated with the city or even Broome County, if they want to uh, make any announcements regarding this planned event for Saturday, they could schedule something and it would fit. If you get it scheduled before 2 p.m., it could make it onto the TV news, uh, the radio news. It would not make it <laughs> into Friday's newspaper, but... Um, uh, and if, if you wanted it to be in Friday's newspaper, you probably would have to schedule it by 11 a.m. Anyway, yeah, there is time. There is time to address this event, either make some sort of announcements about, you know, whether the city uh, will allow it to go on, or if the city decides, based on 
what it's developed through the intelligence center and other sources that it's it's an event uh, that will be allowed even if it's unpermitted um perhaps the mayor and the police chief will offer some guidance for people who will be coming downtown on saturday well for at least four years for at least four years the city has allowed all kinds of le- uh, le- for lack of a better term left of center demonstrations and events to go on without permits now the city either has a permitting process or it doesn't and when it is n- not enforced whether it be the marijuana smoking at the police station or whatever when these people are allowed to set up equipment uh, have uh, disc jockeys uh yell vile obscenities uh with without any person being responsible, and I've been attacked at these things, Bob. I've been attacked at these things. Uh, I think it, it shows that the director of public safety, which is Mayor Cram, is not doing his job. And if something bad happens, if something bad happens, and we all hope it doesn't, but we've we've seen this before in Binghamton, who's responsible? It's the police chief and the mayor. They've had plenty of notice. Get out there. Show the people what they have to do to go and secure a permit and tell them once and for all that the city is not going to allow any unpermitted, any uninsured events to take place no matter what. Now, I bet you this, if I had uh, four people in khaki pants and white shirts with tiki uh, torches, if I had those people out there, FBI agents or not, <laughs> if I, they would be shut down in a second. So it's what your pro if, if you know this guy Cram he's a Bernie bro Republican if it's left of center he loves it he he praised Bernie Sanders he praised all these kooks that have that have, that have come in and out of Binghamton he hasn't st- stood up to one of them but I'll tell you something this is selective this is selective uh, choosing of who is allowed to demonstrate who is allowed as they say they own the streets so uh, you know you're going to hear this. Uh, desert to the sea, all these chants. It's going to get ugly. It, this is this is what these people uh, uh, stock and trade in. It's going to be intimidating. It's going to be anti-Semitic. And this guy's letting it go on. What kind of mayor is he? John, thank you for uh, weighing in. And obviously, uh, if Mayor Cram or uh, the police chief, Joseph Zakowski, want to address this matter, they're welcome to call in. We're here until noon. And all are welcome. Citizens, non-citizens, elected officials, law enforcement officials, this program is open to all. We have a potential base of contributors that numbers about $8 billion. So almost anybody, almost anybody is allowed to call in 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph on Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. Binghamton now live at 930. WNBF Binghamton with Bob Joseph. Ron from Binghamton's West Side. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, say, Bob, I, I just wanted to, uh, to be brief this morning. I do 
want to point out that in November, uh, we have uh, two important anniversaries. Uh, the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy on November 22nd. And uh, on the dates November 9th and 10th, we have the 85th anniversary of Kristallnacht. That is that time in Germany and Austria where uh, Jews and Jewish uh, businesses and synagogues were attacked. Uh, and uh, it continues, that anniversary continues to speak to the persecution of Jews all over the world. And even here in the U.S. and, and perhaps uh, Binghamton and uh, surroundings. Uh, on Kristallnacht in 1938, um, rioters destroyed 267 synagogues. 700 Jewish businesses were damaged or destroyed. 91 Jews were murdered. And 30,000 Jewish men were incarcerated. Uh, take take note, I, I just say, take note of what is occurring on our streets and on our college campuses and uh, realize that if we do not know our history and learn from it, we're condemned to relive it. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. It's 9 32. This is WNBF. This program allows people to actually speak on the radio. I know it's an antiquated idea. I don't know why it's still allowed, but at least for the moment, it is being allowed where real people, real people are able to express their opinions in real time. The host sadly has no talking points, unlike the People who host programs on those high-powered syndicated networks. All I have is four microphones, a telephone, and a couple of transmitters. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Oh, don't forget the website, WNBF.com. WNBF, Binghamton now, Bob Joseph, early voting is underway in New York. Early voting began last Saturday and uh, will continue for the next few days. And then the election, election day, is still scheduled for Tuesday, November 7th. And we've been fortunate to have uh, many candidates stop by the studio, uh, some cases uh, a couple of times already had the candidates for Broome County District Attorney in the studio for two separate individual interviews. And one of the candidates has stopped in today. And we'll have a, another brief discussion as the uh, campaign is coming to an end over the next few days. We're joined now by the Democratic candidate for Broome County Executive, Matthew Ryan. Good morning. I'm not running for County Executive. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. God, I had too much. I thought coffee. maybe you were trying because I've been yeah. sick and you see if well, I'm no, a couple so. things. I mean, <laughs> just 
for one thing, the county executive is coming on next hour at 1010. So I'm don't thinking. Scare, of, I scare Harvey Stinger enough when people say I look like him. Don't just probably scare them. <laughs> Some people think you're Harvey Stinger. When I went on really? campus this early this uh, early this uh, year, you know that gala they have. Yeah. A number of people are saying, hi, President Stanger, and I'm going, and I, t- I saw him like 15 minutes later, and he had a, when I told him, he had a horrified look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, that's funny. It's priceless. Well, it's sort of a, a similarity is when I go out and people see me, they, they confuse me for Roger Neal. <laughs> and Roger is equally horrified. He's like, I told him that. He's, oh, no, no, Bob. You always correct them, don't you? Okay, well, so let's take this from the top, see if I can do the intro correctly this time. <laughs> That's the beauty of live radio, where, where mistakes happen in real time, and there's no way, no way at all <laughs> to erase it. Anyway. Okay, so I'll take it from the top. Pretend we're recording this for use, like, say, next Tuesday. Okay. Anyway. We're joined now in the studio by the Democratic candidate for Broome County District Attorney, Matthew Ryan. Thank you, Bob, for having me again. I'm hoping that I can give a little bit of a closing argument. It's been a long election season, and I hope you'll let me uh, elaborate on my experiences as during the campaign and what people have said to me, which I take as most important. And uh, One thing I want to say before we go any further is the Democratic Republican candidate, honestly, we need a teleprompter, the Republican candidate... Paul Battisti is welcome to come back either today or tomorrow. I don't want him to feel left out uh, if, if he wanted to make closing arguments. Yeah. I know he's he's, oh, he's, he's made his pro, he's made his closing arguments on a mailer today that somebody just sent me. Well, tell me about the mailer. I haven't. Well, seen the mailer it yet. says the usual things. I've got arrested numerous times as recently as February twenty third. Anybody who knows that knows I was a legal who followed it. And to the end of the argument, when the truth was told about what I was doing at Wegmans, I never participated in the demonstration. I was there as a legal observer, which I think should be a protected class. I had to make sure things go smoothly and make sure we don't have, uh, um, you know, problems at a, at a, at a demonstration. And, uh, and one officer said, when I told him why I was there, let me go. And another officer said, you're under arrest. And so we'll sort that out. Is that case still yeah. unresolved? I mean, it's still pending? Oh, yeah. Hmm? And I think they, I think the, was put off till after the election, which I think probably was smart. Yeah, that's understandable. So what else is in the mailer? Did you bring it? Uh, actually, somebody just, uh, that's where I get most of my, I get messages upon messages every day. And basically, uh, arrested multiple times in February, uh, cut all these policemen, which I've explained before. I but explain that again, because if people are just getting the mailer now, and let's yeah. face it, even because we, we have spoken with you and with Paul Battisti on the program with extended interviews in, in September and October, but sometimes until we get uh, right up till the end, many people aren't paying attention to the campaign. So explain, because since that's being brought up in, in the mailer about uh, the elimination of police okay, positions. Let's go through it quickly, when I don't you, want to spend yeah. my whole time on yeah, the negative quickly. attacks. But, okay, the second one is I said arrested at Wegmans, uh, most recently at Wegmans. You know my history of arrests. You haven't been arrested? Years. You haven't been arrested since February? No. <laughs> okay. Um, cut 20 police officers. 
I cut 20 police officers. I cut more than that, firemen. I cut every department by 10%. When I got in there, you know the facts. Uh, we were wet, almost bankrupt. I I left the city after the worst recession in 80 years. I left a city that was with a $9 million surplus that grew to $20 million. It's the only reason we have functional government today because of the uh, my managerial skills and the team I put together to put together those. Had nothing to do with cutting the police. Had nothing to do with um, they're trying to make it sound like I had something to do with, um, you know, um, uh, cutting police uh, per se, and it had nothing. Those words weren't even uttered back then. Um, burden residents with massive property taxes. Well, uh, I did my tax increases, and I used so much less fund balance, which allowed, which is why we had the surplus when I got done. Yes, we had to raise taxes fairly dramatically. In fact, I did it the year before I ran for re-election. People said, you can't do that. I said, the property tax cap is coming. If I don't do it, we'll never get the city's finances straight. We made the case. They re-elected me. And the rest is history. They have not had to raise taxes in the city of Binghamton any amount for the last over 10 years now because of what we did. And allows the size police force we can have today. Speaking uh, with uh, Matthew Ryan, the Democratic candidate for Broome County DA, why would why do you think you would be the better choice for voters? Either it's not for- even close. It's not even close. Ethically, I am so superior to this guy. What person? Uh, go by Wegmans today because I didn't. I, I drove by Wegmans this morning because I said I don't want to. I don't want to run with something that I, I don't know is true for sure. People have told me that the owner of the property in front of Wegmans, ironically Wegmans, um, didn't want Mr. Batiste's signs up there. And during the primary, it came down at one point. And then it went back up a, a, a while back. And I was just, I got three texts yesterday, the sign is down, he was told to take it down and was never permitted to put it up in the first place on the most primary spot of private property for campaigns in the whole county, clearly. And this guy thinks he can go in his campaign and the people who run his campaign think they can just go plop down a, a sign. What kind of person does that? I wouldn't even I wouldn't even consider anything like that. This guy thinks he can do whatever he wants, and he's buddies with a very powerful man, the sheriff, who he never goes anyplace without almost. And, he, and that's not a good – and that's why all these Republicans are calling me saying, we won't vote for this guy. We don't like the cabal between um, Mr. Batiste and what he's trying to create with the sheriff. Actually, I like some of the things the sheriff's doing. I think he's uh, trying to make some reforms at the jail that are very important. Uh, but Mr. Batiste – is the guy who calls a friend when he has a problem. This is also documented by police reports quite a few years ago, I'll grant it, but who calls a friend instead of calling 911 when he's confronted by a, um, an ex-wife who he would, got caught with cheating on a, with his kids out in public. Calls the sheriff and gets him to do a favor for him. What kind of person does that? You can't, you can't make that stuff up. If you're, if you're an ethics professor and use that as a, as something in the law school thing, people would be laughing their ass off about what, what kind of ethics it takes to even consider having that cross your mind. And, and so 
I have the managerial skills to run this office. He has none of those. And, and quite frankly, he's destroyed this office. And, and, that's, and that's the other thing is the reason they went after uh, he went after and the Republican cabal went after Mike Korchak is because he didn't go along with hiding evidence of 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 um, people bringing uh, employees of the uh, institution bring drugs into the facility when it happened. And he wouldn't hide it under the rug. And he also fired a very prominent um, uh, legislator's brother who was a DA. That's why they went after Mike Korchak. And, and, and he didn't deserve it. And, uh, and, and this is what they, they play this kind of hardball game that all these people are, are not happy with. And that's why I'm going to win this election because when you have so many people from your own party not happy with the kind of ball you've been playing for many, many years, just deciding who's going to be in your party, who, if they don't toe the line, I know people have given $50,000 to and are very good candidates who got crushed by the Republican Party because um, because certain people wanted certain power structures to stay the same so they could get all the money they wanted from the county government. That's the kind of – when Mike Korchak talked about corruption in that one press conference he had during the primary, that's what he was talking about. All these kinds of things that they know, that the police know, that that's why they're not supporting me because police don't like change. But they – I just had a policeman, although I'll say one policeman on the way in right now stopped, very graciously said, hey, man, I know it's the end of the line. You run a good campaign. Good luck. And that was a Binghamton policeman. So this whole thing about the police don't trust me, we'll make it work. They know they have a job to do. What we can't have is have people in thinking that the system is not fair, and especially from the 40% of our population that already thinks the system is rigged against them because they have they are living in poverty in our community. And if you don't shore up those kinds of relationships, if you don't have the ability to speak directly to those people, and if your ethics are such that you don't even know what to tell a client who spent, I know a guy who said I could use his name, I won't, but this guy spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars because he was given bad advice by Mr. Battisti. And then when Mr. when he, when he told him I'm in uh getting counseling for my alcohol abuse, he said, don't do that. It makes you look guilty. And then he's talking about all those things he cares about, drug court and, and DWI court. It's a, it's, a, it's a ruse. This guy is not the guy you think he is. And you shouldn't elect him if you care about the scales of justice in Broome County and having somebody who will treat everybody with the same respect and the same humanity, no matter who you are and what position you have in, in our society. One final thing, and this came up during a previous conversation about the possibility Michael Korchak could be involved in the DA's office going forward if you become district attorney. Is that still something that's uh, a yeah, possibility? I, I, in fact, I would like to bring that up because this, the other day, just so I can say, the other day we were in an only debate we've had, and it's a real disservice to the to the public because this is a very very important position. And if you uh, you know what the landscape is like now, it's a totally different way. You can't you can't get your message out there unless you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. And re, and Republicans are always far ahead of Democrats on that on that front, just because they are. It's just the way it works in local politics. So 
what I what I'm trying to say is yes, I will talk to anybody. But Mr. Mr. Batisti says something like, "Well, I've been told I can't talk about that on the show." That's I checked that out. It's garbage. Just like he said, he he did a FOIL request to find out all those thousands of cases that were dismissed. He said he did a FOIL request to Albany. That's where he got his information. There was never a FOIL request. Uh, processed in Albany about that, those figures. So this guy makes up things as he goes along, and and he's pretty boy, a pretty boy uh, attitude. Thinks he can just walk in, shake your hand, show up with the sheriff, and he and you, he's got your vote. He's not who he says he is. I am who I say is. I always. This is why I have a scale of justice on my button. I, it's always important to me to have a theme to my campaign, and my theme has been. Fair justice for everybody. When I was mayor, I came up with the People's Voice for a Change, which had the double meaning and was very, I think, got me elected. And also what got me elected was people in the system, in the criminal justice system, who I defended for 15 years. No, I never played any kind of games in the system. I always, and I always encouraged my clients when they had done something wrong to improve their lives. That's what I'm going to do when I'm, when I'm DA. I'm not going to just, uh, we started with a simple premise, end the cycle of incarceration and address crime before it happens, because if you aren't trying to prevent crime in the first place, you're only doing half your job. And that's what this campaign should be about, and it's what it is about, unless you let all the other smoke and fire come in by the cabal that Paul Batisti has um, become part of. Matthew Ryan, the Democratic candidate for Broome County District Attorney, and obviously, given what you've said over the last several minutes, Republican Paul Batiste is welcome. Welcome to come in today, between now and noon or tomorrow, to uh, respond to what you've said. I and, appreciate your coming in. And I appreciate you, the time. Thank you so much for, if it wasn't for this important forum, to at least get some of these ideas out there. Nobody would even know this race was going on. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF. WNBF, this is the station that serves the nation. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and uh, also available with the free WNBF app. Oh, the weather forecast, uh, a little bit of um, snow, I guess, could be possible somewhere. I saw some snow yesterday. Um, not really too impressed, but <laughs> it's what we're going to have for the next five or six months, so... It's not a question of whether I like it. Today, mostly sunny, 46. Tonight, partly cloudy, 32. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, 55. Saturday, partly sunny, 56. And right now, it's 31. That's minus 1 Celsius. News Radio, WNBF. Binghamton now, your Thursday morning information fest. WNBF, WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. 
This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 46. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 32. Mostly sunny Friday with a high near 55. The Cornell University junior accused of threatening Jewish students at the school is being held at the Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson. Patrick Day of Pittsford was arrested Tuesday in connection with threats posted in the Cornell section of an online discussion site. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar said Day is being housed in the medical wing of the jail on Front Street just north of Binghamton. In a statement released Wednesday afternoon, Akshar said the sheriff's office has an agreement with the U.S. Marshals Service to house federal inmates at the jail when needed. He said Patrick Day will remain at the jail at their discretion. Akshar said Day is being held under 24-hour supervision in line with their policies given the details of his charges. Day was arrested on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure someone using interstate communications. Day allegedly made posts calling for the killing of Jewish people. One post indicated he was going to shoot up a Cornell dining hall located next to the university's Jewish center. Akshar said it's the responsibility of the sheriff's office to ensure the health and safety of those in our care, no matter how heinous their, heinous their alleged crimes may be. He said Day will receive the same treatment and protection under the law as anyone else held at the jail. New York State police investigators in Endwell continue to search for Brandon Williams, who was last seen on March 11, 2019. Anyone who has not spoken to state police and has information about Williams or knows what happened to him is asked to call the New York State police in Endwell. At the time that Brandon went missing, he was 32 years old, weighing about 220 pounds and 6'2 in height. He was wearing a red hooded sweatshirt, gray jeans, black Converse sneakers, and New England's Patriots winter hat, and a tan Carhartt jacket with black writing on it. On October 31st, New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation in Norwich arrested Michael Salome of Frankfurt, New York, in connection with a renovation at home in Shenango County. Salome was charged with two counts of the Class D felony of grand larceny in the third degree, the Class E felony of scheme to defraud in the first degree, and the misdemeanor of petty larceny. A several-months-long investigation revealed that Salome entered into a contract to complete improvements to a home in the village of Sherburne. The homeowner said Salome paid Salome over $33,000, but he did not finish the work and also stopped communicating with the homeowners. Additionally, Salome hired a land survey company to complete a survey of the home. The survey company believed that they were paid and completed the survey, but then learned that Salome made a payment with a check that had insufficient funding. Salome also hired a subcontractor to complete some work at the residence, but never fully compensated the contractor for his completed work. Salome was arraigned in the Norwich City Court and is scheduled to appear at the Sherman Village Court on November 16. Exterior construction work on a new Binghamton University Research and Development Building is about to wrap up. The 18,000-square-foot structure located on Corliss Avenue just west of Willow Street. The facility occupies space between the recently constructed pharmacy school building and the Decker College of Nursing and Health Sciences Complex. The nursing school operates in a former Endicott Johnson School and Carton Factory. 
Initial plans for the research and development building were announced in spring of 2017. The facility was expected to open in 2020, but development of the project was slowed by various factors. The size of the planned building was scaled back after bids for what was to be a $15 million project came in higher than expected. A Binghamton University spokesperson said work at the site now is focused on interior finishes. The job should be completed this fall. That would mean operations at the new building could get underway early next year. A court says Pennsylvania can't enforce a regulation to make power plant owners pay for their plant-warming greenhouse gas emissions. The ruling Wednesday by the Commonwealth Court is another setback for the centerpiece of former Governor Tom Wolf's plan to fight global warming. The court temporarily blocked it last year, and the new ruling makes that decision permanent. The plan would have made Pennsylvania the first major fossil fuel-producing state to adopt a carbon pricing program. The court agreed with Republican lawmakers and coal-related interests that the plan amounted to a tax that would require legislative approval. It would be up to Wolf's successor, Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro, to decide whether to appeal. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton now on a Thursday morning. And we welcome Broome County Executive Jason Garner to the program for his monthly discussion of issues related to Broome County and beyond. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How you doing? Great. It's only eight months till summer. Oh, man, I can't believe it was snowing yesterday. Oh, did you see that snow? And the only good oh. thing I can say about the snow is when I went over to take a look at the tree, by the way, the uh, tree for Rockefeller Center is coming from Broome County. You may have heard that, so. No, I didn't I didn't see it posted on social media yesterday. I must have, I must have missed it. Yeah. I'm no, of course joking. <laughs> I'm of like, course joking. A lot like, of people are pretty sure. excited about that. As far as I know. It's awesome. As far as I know, it's the first time the Rockefeller Center tree has come from Broome County. Maybe. Maybe it's come from Broome County in the past. I don't recall that happening. I can't believe it's eighty feet tall. That's a big Christmas tree. But then again you need one like that in the Rockefeller Center. You definitely need a big tree. And the um, good thing, if there was one good thing about the snow showers yesterday, is when I went over to take my obligatory video of the big tree in Vestal, almost as if on cue, snow showers began. It was something that you would see out of a, a Hollywood movie set where the... Of course, if it was a movie, they'd have to use asbestos or whatever they use to simulate snow. Uh, but right. it was real snow. Yeah. As soon as I got there, snow showers ensued. I did my little 
walk over to the tree and said, wow, I'm paraphrasing, wow, that's a big tree. It, it was one of my Geraldo moments. It was, man, that is one big tree. And so I put that on Twitter, and then we put another video up on, on Twitter, a shorter video just of um, the snow falling around that majestic tree. And it's amazing, as, as you suggest, on social media, there's something... Something about the Rockefeller Center tree, even for people beyond Broome County. I think the other thing I know that people kind of liked about it, as I pointed out, it's just a few yards away from the Binghamton University campus. So that that That's also, right. you know, a lot of um, uh, folks in, say, the city or Long Island or Westchester, Connecticut, New Jersey, who have um, students, uh children or grandchildren going to Binghamton University and uh, also luminaries who've gone to Binghamton University. Uh, I think they were were impressed that the Rockefeller Center tree is coming from an area just uh, a few steps from campus. I'm excited about that. I think it'll, you know, I think it'll uh, help make people in other areas a little bit more aware about Broome County, but I think it's kind of a proud thing to have, right? To, to have that, that, that's probably the most famous Christmas tree that I can think of, at least in the United States. And the fact that it came to, from Broome County is, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, just, I'm actually interested in, I, I don't know how they picked it. And, um, I'm, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about how they, how they picked it. And, um, it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, load that thing into a truck and get it down there. Yeah. I wonder if the media will cover that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already people are saying, Bob, can you set up a live feed? Because a lot of people I know will want to see that. And it's like, yeah, I know a lot of people would like to see that. But probably about the time. Actually, I heard they're going to cut it down at 8 in the morning, which gives me. You see, I think they, they scheduled the, the time to cut down the tree at 8 a.m. so I can get over there and watch them start cutting it down and then drive here to the station and, and start the program at 9.10. So I, I certainly, certainly appreciate they're taking my schedule into account. Well, you might have to have the, uh, that same cam that did April the giraffe cam. Oh, jeez. Set up for the, yeah. the tree cam. I wonder if the they Christmas have. Tree I, I should call. I should call a guy up there, up at uh, the Animal Adventures uh, place. See if he has any. Do they still have any spare giraffes? Can you actually? What, I'm gonna. This is. We shouldn't be talking about this on the air. This should be off the air discussions, so we could have a global exclusive. Can you imagine having? We'd have to get permission, I guess, of the homeowners, or maybe we wouldn't, uh, to set up like a little. Uh, thing fencing around the tree and have like a giraffe family hanging out there for the next week and put put that a live be, cam. Uh, that'd be um really pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then sell sell speedies and moxie. Oh man! A portion of the proceeds would go to the Bob Joseph Foundation. Well, it's pretty cool yeah. that, that, that it that's happening. It is. It's a anyway. big, big topic of conversation. And by the way, you being county executive, uh, I'm sure we're excluded from all the discussions. Nobody gave you a heads up before yesterday that the tree was coming from Broome County. Yeah, you know, we we heard about it when everybody when everybody else did. I don't, you know, maybe Vestal, maybe Vestal, the, the Vestal people knew about it. I bet they did. Vestal, but I, I bet they, I bet they had a. Secret plan. 
Actually, I heard I had heard about it a couple of weeks ago, but someone swore, swore me to secrecy. They said, "Now I can tell you, I can tell you something about the tree." And I said, "Oh, do tell." And then they said before anything else, but nobody can know about it. And it's like, see, that's what I I love as a journalist. People give me news tips, and then with the admonition, but you can't tell anybody anywhere about it and it's like me it's like i'm bursting at the seams wanting to tell people and knowing full well that i i can't do it but hey it's it's still it's still uh a nice thing for uh room county and for vestal most definitely so it's ten seventeen here at wnbf we're speaking with broom county executive jason garner when you are on the program about a month ago Four weeks ago, actually, uh, one of the things you announced was another emergency order. And that dealt with the uh, action that the New York City Mayor Eric Adams had announced a short time yeah. before that. The housing vouchers issued by New York City could be used in Broome County or anywhere else in New York State. And you, as well as other county officials upstate, were concerned about what that could mean. So you issued the yeah. emergency order. What has happened over the last month? Well, the emergency order is still in effect, along with the original emergency order related to uh, municipalities like New York City moving large groups of people in. Um, we, I, think, I don't know if I had told you this, but we, we had a... I think about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, uh, one of the hotels had alerted us there, there there was an individual in town looking to buy up large blocks of uh, hotel rooms. And the sheriff's office had to to greet the individual with the emergency order and, and tell him that, you know, what, what he was trying to do was illegal and prohibited. Um, and we're, we're doing this simply because we don't have any uh, capacity here in, in Broome County. And I, I know I've talked about this with you, but I'll just say it again. We just don't have the capacity for, you know, large groups of people to come to our hotels. We have our own homelessness, uh, problem here in Broome County, especially that was uh, exacerbated during COVID. And, uh, the latest emergency order deals with vouchers. These vouchers uh, are provided by New York city. And, um, I think they're, uh, some of them can be thousands that worth thousands of dollars a month. And uh, they used to be only to be used in New York City. And um, as a way of, uh, in my opinion, uh, the, the mayor's, uh, this is the mayor's way of dealing with his homelessness problem is just to allow these vouchers to be used anywhere in the state. And our concern is that people are going to come up from here with these really uh, expensive vouchers and just price a lot of other people that are Broome County residents right out of their, right out of their homes. Um, so, we haven't seen anybody do it. We haven't, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen anything like that. Um, but yeah, the the two uh, the two orders are are still in effect. In fact, when you were on the program four weeks ago, you did mention that uh, one man had been trying to make arrangements to house migrants and homeless people from New York City, and and you mentioned that one case. Aside from that single case that you became aware of and the sheriff's office learned about, has there been any other indication that people from New York City or people representing interests from New York City are are still trying to find 
some housing, whether it's uh, hotels, motels, or other places where rooms might be available, is there any sign uh, over the past month that others have attempted to do this despite the emergency order? Not that we know of. Um, you know, we're not all knowing, of course. We we wish we were, but um, not that we know of. We have a really good relationship. One of the reasons why we partnered with the the sheriff's department on this initiative, um, besides the fact that, that he would enforce this, is uh, he's developed a really good relationship. His team and him have developed a good relationship with local hotels. In fact, we were tipped off that this latest individual last month was trying to buy up all these rooms by a hotel. Um, but um, we we have not heard of any other people looking either to buy up large hotel rooms or to of individuals that are coming here with vouchers and, and things like that. And I think you remember about five years ago, we had, we had caught New York City doing a similar thing, similar to the vouchers, where they had a, a program called uh, a soda program, where, which they basically paid people to leave New York City shelters and go to, to various areas in upstate. And the way we found about, out about that was uh, people were coming to our DSS and they were saying, I need, you know, I, I need this benefit, this benefit, and this benefit. And, but they wouldn't ask for housing voucher. They wouldn't ask for any housing assistance that we provide. And we, um, one of our employees asked about that and they said, well, we already got vouchers from New York city. We got everything we need with housing. We just need the other stuff. And that, that's how we found out about that. So I haven't heard anything from, uh, you know, any, anybody from the Department of Social Services that anything like that's happening. I haven't heard of anything from the community that, you know, people are coming up and, and using these vouchers, um, you know, but, but obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're vigilant about it, um, considering that there have been efforts made in the past recently as a month ago where, um, you know, people have come up here uh, trying to uh, certainly uh, buy a large large blocks of hotel rooms or other types of housing units. Well, to your point about what happened in 2018, and I know you talked about that on this program um, at least a few times with what was going on with um, then-Mayor Bill de Blasio. They had that special one-time assistance program. And right. your your criticism got attention not just here, but also in New York City. I know the New York Post, perhaps some other outlets ran stories about your criticism. You said it was a, a shameful program for de Blasio to be doing that and basically trying to um, shift the the challenges, the problems that New York City was facing off on uh, other other parts of New York State. Did, did the county ever, ever get to any formal or informal agreement with New York City after your your criticism from four or five years ago about that program? Well, we didn't hear that they were doing it, uh, you know, that they continue to do it. And I, I think that they had a lawsuit. Uh, they engaged in an official lawsuit with New Jersey where I think that they had, um, you know, sent thousands of people um, that I think that I think recently they came to some agreement on that. But, you know, we we obviously did get a lot of attention, and we uh, put you know put them on notice, and we didn't hear any more instances of people coming to DSS with these types of uh, these vouchers under that particular program. I will tell you that the latest thing that they're doing with the vouchers kind of puts that program on steroids. Like that that 
There's a lot of people that have access to these vouchers. The vouchers are worth a lot of money, and they're worth a lot of money, especially in comparison to the market here in Broome County. The market in Broome, or New York City, as most people know, is um, you know one bedroom apartment in New York City is three or four thousand dollars a month at least. Uh, one bedroom here, you can get a really nice one for a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month. So the money goes a lot farther, and our, our you know our concern is, hey, we think it's a we don't think it's a, uh, that's the way to solve a problem is to, to remove it and put it somewhere else. But uh, we're, we're also concerned about, uh, given the fact that there's a lack of housing here in the community, that uh, people with these these big money vouchers can come up and um, just kind of like displace people that already live here because they have more money to pay for rent. Stand 25, this is Binghamton Now. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. I'm Bob Joseph. We'll have more coming right up on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Problem. First is WNBF Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. I'm speaking with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. There's a lot of work going on in various parks, including, I've just been informed, at Roundtop in Endicott. And this is the risk I, uh, I take when I don't visit Roundtop every week. It's been, I'd say, two or three weeks since I was at Roundtop Park in Endicott. And Mr. Garner, you you advise me that there's actually something going on at Roundtop that probably uh, many people will be glad to hear about. Yeah, Roundtop is a, a really cool park. Um, it's probably got one of the best scenic outlooks in Broome County. And we've done a little bit of work on that over the past couple of years. Uh, we worked with Don Lopardo to, to re, kind of redo that whole scenic outlook. But um, one of the things that uh, I've certainly heard from listeners on your program and, and people uh, that, that, uh, and other people is that uh, we really need to, to pave the roads. The ro- road's in pretty bad condition and, and also the, uh, the walkways as well. So we've actually, uh, over the past week, uh, the park was closed down so that crews could get in there and um, pave the road and pave the walkways. And my understanding is that it is reopening today and uh, I think just about everything has been um, been touched up there and, and repaved. I, I just I haven't been up there myself, but I've I've seen some pictures and it, it looks like they've uh, they've really gotten into it and done a pretty good job. So that's uh, another part project that we were able to uh, you know really do some improvements that people have been asking for for a while. One thing that people appreciated uh, a few years ago after we had some conversation on the program uh, even before the announcement of of the overlook we talked about how the the view of the river valley looking to the east toward vestal and Andwell and johnson city and binghamton that was blocked because um the trees and brush had uh, not been trimmed back in quite a while and then uh in conjunction with the uh 
construction of the new overlook. Um, a lot of that was was trimmed back. One thing that's happened over the last year or so, though, the view has started to get obstructed again. I, I know here we are on the verge of winter, so it's not going to be a big issue maybe for the next few months. But is that something that the um, the county will be able to address maybe next spring to, to ensure that there is a fairly a clear view from the scenic overlook at Round Top? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, you know, as, as the the park season, of course, most parks stay open throughout the winter, but obviously things change a little bit and, um, you know, things start to slow down a little bit in the parks as it gets colder out. Um, we'll kind of assess, you know, what's going on at each park, what needs to be done for next year. And actually, I was up there with uh, Mike Panasello, my deputy county executive, and um, looking at the uh, at the park at, at Round Top and, and looking at the view. And, and I thought to myself, I it I think we need to do some more work up here. <laughs> I think we need to start uh, you know doing a little bit more clearing out because obviously some areas have have grown up in it. But we'll definitely uh, you know assess that this year and then get in in the spring and and uh, if we got to remove some obstructed areas we'll we'll do that because that it's interesting that that uh like i said i think that is probably one of the most scenic outlooks in in broome county a lot of people come up and take pictures there when um for homecoming and when they get married and other types of special events there it's kind of become that it's a nice place to do that so we'll definitely uh definitely be getting into that as it, it gets a uh as the year turns and we get into the spring. It's 1033. Let's uh, continue to focus on some of the county parks. The uh, major projects not far from there over in um, West Endicott, town of Union, Grippen Park. Uh, there will be a fair amount of work going on there, especially I, I, I'm assuming during the spring and summer months next year. Absolutely. So uh, the first part of that whole process was uh, putting the huge concrete slab in. We need to replace the whole entire slab that's been finished. We have park crews. So a lot of our, our parks crews are, are working on setting up the Festival of Lights over at Ateningo Park. And then shortly, uh, some of those employees will be moved over to Grippen to really begin clean, clearing out anything that isn't nailed down over at Grippen. Um, in preparation for this big renovation project to happen. Um, bids came in for Grippen uh, under what was bid. Um, we're really happy to see that that happened. That typically doesn't happen with government projects. So we're really happy to see our bids come in right now. No, I'm getting a little bit into the, the details, but we're uh, when, when the, the low bids come in, we do a scoping process. Our engineering department um, looks at each of the the, the lowest bids and just just wants to make sure that um, you know what they're 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 uh, comfortable with what they you know how they're going to go about each whatever they're doing in the building that they're going to do that and that the those numbers are correct but I think we've gone through a lot of that scoping process and um, we should be signing the contracts with the different contractors to do the work at Grippen and. I would say that um, you're going to see work start to begin the first of the year. And I think that's a 145, 150-day job, which means that that park's got to be done in um, 
that renovation of that building and everything else that's going on around that has to, should be done by June. So it's going to be a very fast process, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of work going on there. But um, I think people are really going to be excited to, to see what it's going to look like and all the new amenities that are going to be there. And um, that the whole community and the neighborhood, I think, is going to be really happy that they finally have a place that they can call their home, you know, own again. Two weeks ago, the much talked about and much anticipated dog park officially opened at the north end of Otsunengo, the town of Shenango. It did, and you were there. I was. It was a lot of fun. I was. was. It was probably the, I would say, the happiest story, probably the best good news story of October that I was able to cover. It was uh, good to be there for the official opening and then follow, uh, oh, I would say, I don't know if there are four or five dogs around that uh, were, were scampering about after the um, the ribbon cutting, but uh, every every canine appeared to really uh, like that, that dog park at Otsunengo North. Yeah, they all seem to get along with each other. I think, you know, it's been used quite a bit. Um, I think right now, over the past week, it's been a little muddy in areas where we hydro-seeded. Um, we had to actually uh, tear up some of the, the, the land there and, and, and dig some, some piping and, and things like that underneath it. And uh, that area was hydro-seeded, and um, it's a little muddy right now, but um, we expect that that condition will clear up once we uh, will rehydro seed it in the spring and the grass can grow in. It's always going to be a little bit wet there. Um, in, in well, the fact is, it's it is, just a few yards from the Susquehanna River. Right, that's right. So it's always going to be a little little wet there. But that's also one of the reasons why we put um, you know some of the, the paved sidewalks in there so people could walk there while their dogs are running around. But we think uh, you know once the, the hydro seeding uh, takes root, and the grass grows up, that should eliminate a good amount of the the mud that's in there, which was caused from us digging the ditches and, and things like that. But uh, I guess a lot of people have, have gone there and gotten a lot of use out of it, and that's that's what we want, people to be able to get out and have another place to kind of run their dogs and, and have fun doing it. What other park projects are um, going to be uh, focused on, say, over the next 6 to 12 months around Broome County? Well, one of the things that I just want to give an update on, uh, a lot of people may not think of it as a park, but our, our new uh, Greenlight Grand Slam Park um, is is finished. We're doing kind of a soft opening this year uh, since, the, I think, September 16th. We've been playing games. And uh, just a little a quick update on that. We played uh, 120 games since September 16th. I think the last last weekend we closed it for the year, but, um, from September 16th to last weekend, um, 120 games were played. We had teams from different States, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we had, we had a team from Canada. We had teams from Canada come in and then across New York state. And, um, a lot of people got a lot of use out of it. And of course the, the big, uh, the big grand opening will be in March when they'll, We'll start to do games. Actually, uh, SUNY Broom's going to start playing on it in February. But um, a lot of use out of the field, a lot of people uh, you know, going to tournaments and going to hotel rooms and going to restaurants here from out of town, which is, is really good for, of course, for our economy. Um, 
other parks projects, a lot of what you're going to see, I mean, those are, when you think about the, the big parks projects, you think about uh, Grippen's going to be the big one that's going to be the, the most visible one. And then um, just in a lot of different types of parks, we're going to be renovating bathrooms that just haven't been reno- renovated in a long time, um, you know, doing some other type of like light infrastructure work, replacing some grills and, and picnic tables and and things like that. But uh, I, w- I would say that, um, you know, those, the, the big infrastructure projects that, you know, Grippen is the, the one that we have left to do, but over the next year or so, we'll be doing a lot of the other smaller things, but also important things that um, you've got to be able to do in the parks. Cause it's been a long time since we like, for example, in uh, Greenwood that we redid the bathrooms or Colesville that we redid the bathrooms and those types of things really need to get done. Speaking with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner, on this Thursday morning. We'll have more coming right up on News Radio WNBF. WNBF Live at 1042. This is Bob Joseph. We're talking with the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. I saw you on Monday over in the town of Shenango at the Foodabago. It's uh, become a town square media tradition. And so uh, I, I popped over and I was... Uh, uh, surprised, didn't know you were going to be over there, but you paid a visit as we started the Foodabago food food drive that is continuing for the next few days. Yeah, that's a great thing that you guys do. I think you started on Monday and um, popped over there and tried to do my part in filling up a cart of groceries and you know donating it. I think it's a great thing. Uh, you guys collect a lot of food. It's it's a lot, and it's you know the people at Chow have been uh, very appreciative, and and certainly we're we're fortunate that it's it's something we've been able to continue to do with the support of of course our our audience, local officials, and the sponsors of that uh, program. So again, the Foodabago is set up at twelve ninety Upper Front Street outside the Wise Supermarket, and that continues for a few more days for people who are able to um, perhaps donate some non-perishable food or cash. We've had support from a lot of community organizations as well as many individuals. And it's a, I think it's a way that uh, it's kind of a way that we kick off the holiday season. I think the Foodabago is like that first event where, you know, at least in the community, we're starting to think about, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and, you know, what we can do to, to give back. So it's, it's kind of like that first, first thing that happens. There's a lot of different types of ways that, uh, the community gives back. Uh, there's probably things that I don't even know that people are doing to give back, but I think that's the first visible thing you see in Broome County when we start, you know, collecting food for people with the, the food bago. So it was nice. You guys do a great job. It's a really nice thing that you have. Well, we're uh, we're glad that we're in a position to help the community and help facilitate the um, the donations from so many residents and and also organizations. It's ten forty five on a Thursday morning. So, what's the 
situation now at, at Greater Binghamton Airport. There was an announcement uh, within the last uh, week or two that Delta is going to end its flights to LaGuardia and then yep. resume service to Detroit. Tell us about uh, what's going on here because the well, I'm going to call it an experiment with having service from Greater Binghamton Airport to LaGuardia. Um, for whatever reason, it doesn't look like that That was, um, I'll just say it doesn't appear to have been a successful experiment. So Delta has revised its schedule, and I believe that new schedule will go into effect on January 8th. Yeah, they, you know, they basically switched back to Detroit. Um, what, what we're happy about is that if you remember when they, made the switch from Detroit to LaGuardia, they were using, um, they increased the size of their planes. They went from 50 seat planes to I think almost 80 seat planes. So they're going to keep those planes. They're going to keep the, the larger planes. And the one thing that we heard from a lot of people, some people like the LaGuardia service, but we heard a lot from other people who, uh, liked the Detroit flights because they offered um, a kind of a gateway to flying out to California and other parts of the western part of the United States where LaGuardia did not, not easily. And also the international flight connection. You could, uh, you know, fly internationally right from Detroit, whereas in LaGuardia you had to switch to do that. So, um, you know, my, uh, so, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think uh, these are, in the airline industry, these are, are difficult times, especially for a lot of regional, smaller type of airports. So we're just really glad that we have Delta service. And um, again, we're, we are trying to expand service like we, di- we did with Avello. But, um, you know, some airports are seeing their services entirely cut with nothing else, uh, you know, being replaced. So we were... Happy to see that the Detroit um, location was uh, was uh, swapped out for LaGuardia. Although some people who I speak with say they they would have been really happy if Delta started service from Greater Binghamton to Atlanta, for example. So for people heading yeah, I mean, in that direction. Now, admittedly, Avello is is. Uh, Yep. Serving the the people who want to go from Broome County or upstate New York to Florida with their uh, flights, but um, you know some people were were keeping their fingers crossed that the next Delta announcement might have involved Atlanta. Well, maybe the next Delta one will. Uh, I'm not you know I'm not sure. I'm not saying it will or will not, but you know it's definitely a location that we talked about. A lot of our business travelers are are still still looking at Washington D.C. Um, you know that they're, they're they're really hoping that we can get some flights there. In fact, I, I believe that we have a, a federal grant, um, you know that that we're able to access uh, to be able to, to help that if that opportunity were were to so come up. So you know, there's I think there's a a couple different uh, places that we're looking at. But you know, at the end of the day, we're just you know we're, we're simply glad that we didn't lose the flight. I, I think some other regional carriers just close by. I think Ithaca lost flights and didn't get anything back. So we were, we were glad that they're still looking at our areas. Um, a lot of potential for people to fly out of here and they reinstated the, the Delta flight and we'll obviously work to promote that and 
do everything we can to to put more seats in the plane because the more people that that take those flights, that opens up more opportunities for us to have, you know, additional routes and, and locations. A little over a year ago, there was a big announcement that the county was receiving a substantial amount of money for uh, improvements to the facilities in the town of Maine. Now, tell us where that project, the uh, upgrade and improvement project at Greater Binghamton Airport, where does that stand at this time? Yeah, I mean, we're, we we haven't gotten into the, uh, the meat of the project. It's kind of like a three-phase project. We're still in the first phase of it, but um, you know, one of the as part of that project, one of the buildings uh, that was really old and kind of falling down was demolished. And actually, this week we're starting a job where uh, we're removing asbestos, like a multi-million-dollar uh, job to remove asbestos in the airport. And that's one of the first things you got to do as you move into the the renovation part of it. So, uh, project's actually starting. And um, you, people won't see a lot, you know, they won't see a real visible, uh, you know, job happening uh, for another few months. But um, for, uh, the, the work is, uh, the renovation is, is happening as we speak. We'll continue our conversation with Broome County Executive Jason Garner in a moment. This is Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and available on the WNBF app. WNBF Live at 10.53 with Bob Joseph. Our guest is the Broome County Executive, Jason Garner. Well, here's something I don't think we've talked about before. Uh, law enforcement, and some people occasionally have uh, floated this idea about a single countywide law enforcement agency. And I know it, it comes up just very rarely, but uh, in the um, when people have talked in the past about consolidation, sometimes people say, well, if Broome County had a single police force, maybe, maybe things could be handled more efficiently or things would be administered better. What are your thoughts about ever having a study or discussion about changing law enforcement services in Broome County. So I think it's important to, for people to understand that um, as as it pertains to law enforcement, um, Broome County uh, funds the Broome County Sheriff's Office. And in the budgets that I've done, we, especially this last budget, we're, we're actually putting four or five new uh, sheriff road patrols on the road um, to go into various areas of the community. I think it's really important to support law enforcement and not just say it, but actually do it in your budgets. I think you might remember that years ago, uh, way before I was in, and I think way before my successor was in, previously, I think this, this issue had come up. Um, I, th- I think there was discussion of taking a look at it and uh, maybe it was 15 years ago. I'm, I'm not sure. But I think it was very clear, at least at that time, that people did not 
want to move in that direction. Um, and I, and I'm not the type of county executive who's going to come in and say, Hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. Um, if I have, uh, the community is, comes to me and there's police departments that come to me and say, Hey, we, we'd like you to take a look at it. You know, sure. Certainly we can have that discussion, but I also think it's important. Like Broome County is different, you know, Broome, the city of Binghamton is different than Vestal and Vestal is different than the town of Shenango. And, you know, we're, we're a small community, but we have different types of communities and there's different types of priorities in those communities and different types of needs and issues that are going on in those communities. And I, I respect the fact that, uh, you know, people, uh, there's different police departments and they deal with different things. And, um, and, and I, I would not want to come in and say, you need to do something like that. If someone were to come to me and say, Hey, you know, can you take a look at that? Can you sit down with us and have a discussion about that? I mean, I, I just like anything, I would certainly be open to having any type of discussion with, with people about, uh, you know, trying to, become more efficient, but, um, you know, that certainly won't be because I'm telling people that they need to do that. It would just be a part of, um, a conversation that we have all the time about a variety of different topics with different communities. We only have a few seconds left. Uh, budget process is winding down. The legislature next week probably will vote on a 2024 spending plan. Have lawmakers so far made any significant changes from the proposal you submitted? Nope. Uh, we just finished up our last budget hearing uh, this week, and the vote is next week on Thursday. And um, a lot of great conversations, questions. Um, you know, legislators do a really good job of um, really getting into the nuts and bolts of the budget. Um, you know, my expectation is that um, you know uh, Broome County next year will be looking at a sixth straight uh, year of uh, their property tax rate going down. Um, this year, 4% over the last six or seven years, uh, their property tax rate for the county is uh, down over 20%. Um, but a lot of infrastructure projects, a lot of road projects, like I said, uh, I mentioned the increase in public safety with more uh, sheriff's patrols and, and many other things. Um, but it's, it's been a good process, a lot of good questions. Uh, that's what the legislature's job is, is to really um, ask all of our department heads why that, you know, go through each of those, uh, budget lines, line by line. And, um, it's been a really productive, uh, couple months that we've been able to do that. And that's all the time we have. Jason Garner. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day, Bob. News is coming up next. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 46. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 32. Mostly sunny Friday with a high near 55. The Cornell University Junior accused of threatening Jewish students at the school is being held at the Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson. Patrick Day of Pittsford was arrested Tuesday in connection with threats posted in the Cornell section of an online discussion site. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar said Day is being housed in the medical wing of the jail on Front Street, just north of Binghamton. In a statement released Wednesday afternoon, Akshar said the sheriff's office has an agreement with the U.S. Marshals Service to house federal inmates at the jail when needed. He said Patrick Day will remain at the jail at their discretion. Akshar said Day is being held under 24-hour supervision in line with their policies given the details of his charges. 
Day was arrested on a federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill or injure someone using interstate communications. Day allegedly made posts calling for the killing of Jewish people. One post indicated he was going to shoot up a Cornell dining hall located next to the university's Jewish center. Akshar said it's the responsibility of the sheriff's office to ensure the health and safety of those in our care, no matter how heinous their, heinous their alleged crimes may be. He said Day will receive the same treatment and protection under the law as anyone else held at the jail. New York State police investigators in Endwell continue to search for Brandon Williams, who was last seen on March 11, 2019. Anyone who has not spoken to state police and has information about Williams or knows what happened to him is asked to call the New York State police in Endwell. At the time that Brandon went missing, he was 32 years old, weighing about 220 pounds and 6'2 in height. He was wearing a red hooded sweatshirt, gray jeans, black Converse sneakers, a New England's Patriots winter hat, and a tan Carhartt jacket with black writing on it. On October 31st, New York State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigation in Norwich arrested Michael Salome of Frankfurt, New York, in connection with a renovation at home in Chenango County. Salome was charged with two counts of the Class D felony of grand larceny in the third degree, the Class E felony of scheme to defraud in the first degree, and the misdemeanor of petty larceny. A several-months-long investigation revealed that Salome entered into a contract to complete improvements to a home in the village of Sherburn. The homeowner said Salome paid Salome over $33,000, but he did not finish the work and also stopped communicating with the homeowners. Additionally, Salome hired a land survey company to complete a survey of the home. The survey company believed that they were paid and completed the survey, but then learned that Salome made a payment with a check that had insufficient funding. Salome also hired a subcontractor to complete some work at the residence, but never fully compensated the contractor for his completed work. Salome was arraigned in the Norwich City Court and is scheduled to appear at the Sherburn Village Court on November 16. Exterior construction work on a new Binghamton University Research and Development Building is about to wrap up. The 18,000-square-foot structure located on Corliss Avenue, just west of Willow Street. The facility occupies space between the recently constructed pharmacy school building and the Decker College of Nursing and Health Sciences Complex. The nursing school operates in a former Endicott Johnson School and Carton Factory. Initial plans for the research and development building were announced in spring of 2017. The facility was expected to open in 2020, but development of the project was slowed by various factors. The size of the planned building was scaled back after bids for what was to be a $15 million project came in higher than expected. A Binghamton University spokesperson said work at the site now is focused on interior finishes. The job should be completed this fall. That would mean operations at the new building could get underway early next year. A court says Pennsylvania can enforce a regulation to make power plant owners pay for their plant warming greenhouse gas emissions. The ruling Wednesday by the Commonwealth Court is another setback for the centerpiece of former Governor Tom Wolf's plan to fight global warming. The court temporarily blocked it last year, and the new ruling makes that decision permanent. 
The plan would have made Pennsylvania the first major fossil fuel producing state to adopt a carbon pricing program. The court agreed with Republican lawmakers and coal-related interests that the plan amounted to a tax that would require legislative approval. It will be up to Wolf's successor, Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro, to decide whether to appeal. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Golf Hunting Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF. This is Binghamton Now. Bob Joseph on a Thursday morning. We'll have some calls coming up in a few minutes. Ready for conversation? We're here every weekday morning from 9 to noon. WNBF covering Binghamton, Johnson City, Endicott, Vestal, and beyond. Joined now in the studio by one of the three candidates for mayor of the village of Endicott, the Democratic candidate Larry Coppola. Welcome back to WNBF. Thank you, Bob. So, how are the village people doing today? The village people are a little disgruntled about the weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them. The village people in Endicott and Johnson City and the town people in Vestal and Union and Windsor and even the city people in Binghamton are, are tired of the snow showers. And the only consolation is it's, uh, I'm told, eight months till summer. So Just eight months. <laughs> yeah, I can s- hold out. It's going to seem like an eternity. Anyway, welcome back to the program. You're in the final days of, of the campaign for mayor. And it's an interesting race this year because there are three candidates. You are, as I said, the Democratic candidate. Nick Burlingame is the Republican candidate. And Linda Jackson is running the incumbent who won as the Republican candidate. She's running as an independent candidate this year. So it's uh, one of the more unusual races in the village in in recent memory. Yes, it is. Um, I find it interesting. I've walked uh, the entire village over the last couple of months, knocked on doors. I've probably talked to 500 people. And uh, it's amazing what I hear, their concerns, uh, their hopes. Um, I'm glad I did it. And... Uh, Hopefully, it'll prove fruitful. What are the biggest concerns right now, say, the top three biggest concerns you're hearing from people across the village? I would say overwhelmingly, um, the question I get the most is, what happened to Washington Avenue? The money's been sitting there for four years. And then, of course, you always get water. Endicott and water seem to be uh, linked together forever, and... Um, and also security. People are concerned about security and their safety, which is uh, obvious. One of the questions that I have going forward, say looking ahead for the next three or four years in Endicott, what can be done 
to get things really moving forward in a, a more obvious direction on Washington Avenue. Now, obviously, some businesses have opened, some have closed over the last few years. But for those of us who have long memories and we see the avenue is nothing like it once was back in the, the heyday, the 60s and 70s, and even into the early 80s, the, the avenue too often seems deserted and get the sense that uh, sometimes it's almost hopeless. Well, the avenue obviously will never be what it once was, but there are some definitely some sparkling things on the avenue, albeit not many. Um, you have EPAC, which around EPAC could easily become an art district, uh, recording studio, music, uh, dance. We That could be emphasized. We have a... Um, a brewery, and uh, it wouldn't hurt to have maybe one or two more breweries and restaurants. It's uh, hard to comprehend, but um, uh, restaurants and breweries and the such seem to uh, have more success when there are more of them together. People have a tendency to go to the area and try them all out. I would definitely see if we could increase that. One of the problems with Washington Ave is it's not just the Ave. It's the parking lots in the back of the buildings. Most people will approach Washington Ave from the parking lots. And uh, it becomes uh, totally necessary to upgrade the parking lots, the back of the buildings, the alley, so that people can enter those businesses from the rear. And many people have said... Observers have said the fact that there are those municipal lots with a lot of available spaces so close to a lot of the businesses, that is a good feature. But to your point, if if people don't like necessarily the way the lots look or the way the, uh, the, the backsides of the uh, residential and business buildings on either the west side or the east side of Washington Avenue, uh, that can be... That can be uh, distressing. That, that certainly can have an impact on on whether people want to uh, stop and, and walk along the avenue or do business on the avenue. That is definitely true. I think it's detrimental to the avenue to have your the parking in the rear and have those areas look uh, so run down. Plus, um, it would be beneficial also for security and for the police if we had cameras in those areas and on Washington Ave. It would uh, enlarge the police uh, footprint in that area so that uh, they could better attend to problems there. Speaking with Larry Coppola, the Democratic candidate for mayor of Endicott, mentioned water, and water is a persistent problem in the village. Um, I would say it's been a bad situation maybe for at least a decade, but I know in the last couple of years, situation has worsened, and a lot of people are, are really worried about the, the quality of their water. They're worried about uh, even water supply. The village, uh, I believe, in recent months has been reliant on a single well, although steps are being taken to develop a new well near the old IBM Country Club. If you became mayor, what steps would you try to pursue to address some of the big water issues in the village? Well, well water is health, so obviously it's very important. Um, the problem that we're having with the water right now is that the water department is so busy replacing, they're not renewing 
the system, uh, one problem after another. And if you fix a problem somewhere, it creates a problem somewhere else. What we need is a comprehensive plan to redo the entire water system. It has to be in conjunction with the engineering department so that you're tearing up roads and re- refinishing them in this at the same time. But that also requires, obviously, a lot of money and quite a few years. The mayor's job would be to secure the money, talk to the federal government, state government, county, and the town of Union, who has a large stake in the water since Endicott provides a good part of Union with their water. And once the money is secured, move forward step by step in renewing the system entirely. And, of course, there is the water um, well problem. They're addressing that with a well, which is in the town of Union, and that could move along much quicker and easier if we had a little more cooperation from the town of Union. You also mentioned security. On no matter where you uh, go around the triple cities or outside the immediate triple cities area, people always say they're concerned about crime and and sometimes perception of crime. If you became mayor, are there any new ideas or innovations that you would encourage the police department to explore or steps that could be taken to uh, address some of the persistent problems? There are some, to be sure, some real trouble spots within the village. And uh, unfortunately, I've I've seen several of them firsthand over the last several months, and in, in some cases, these these problems, they're nagging issues that just don't seem to go away. Well, uh, security and the police uh, are always a problem. We don't have enough policemen. Our policemen, God bless them, are working long hours, uh, 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, they're community-based, so they're actually doing crossing guard work because the school couldn't find crossing guards. How do you solve this problem? More manpower would be nice, but that's a budget concern. Um, Possibly, as I mentioned before, on Washington Avenue, we could use an enhanced um, camera system that would help them out. But we could also possibly consider using uh, retired policemen for uh, part-time relief for our police officers. Of course, that would all have to be negotiated uh, with the union and worked out to the satisfaction of all. But it would increase our manpower. What was your reaction to the initiative over the summer by Room County Sheriff Fred Akshar of uh, uh, having sort of an intensive operation for a few weeks? It wasn't publicly announced. I understand, at, at least initially, it was not uh, even cleared with uh, the police administration. Ultimately, apparently, they're they're all on the same page now. But what did you think about the way that was handled over uh, the summer months. Honestly, I don't uh, appreciate the way it was handled at all. It uh, appeared to me as more um, a um, PR stunt than policing. Uh, Do you they, think it was politically motivated? Um, I would say yes. Um, uh, this, the uh, sheriff is heavily involved in politics in the county, which... I find a little troubling. He's uh, He was elected to be sheriff, not uh, head of the Republican Party. 
And Mayor Jackson uh, told, I believe, Jim Emke from News Channel 34, she uh, took it that uh, the sheriff was almost in a position of trying to take over the village police department with with that initiative and then perhaps some other things that may be going on behind the scenes. Well, the taking over the police department, I don't think is anything that would happen in the near future. Uh, the uh, This gets back to community policing. Endicott needs community policing. I don't believe it would serve to anyone's advantage to have the Endicott department department merged with or replaced by anything countywide um it's much stronger police force if it's a community police force any other issues you wanted to bring up uh head of the elections hard to believe election day is just five days away it'll be next tuesday and people already have been uh, voting with early voting continuing over the next few days well one thing is that you mentioned that there is voting I find it highly troubling that uh, the mayor of Endicott will be chosen by approximately 5% of the voting populace. Uh, the turnout for uh, off-year elections such as this is 28% or less. And uh, if you do the math, you find out that virtually 5% of the voters have chosen your next administration. I find that discouraging because I noticed that 28% of the public vote and 98% of the public complain. And that's one of the things that we note, say, on a program like this. A lot of people have concerns about their community, whether it's Endicott or elsewhere, and sometimes they're very free with their criticism throughout the year, but then... In this case, every four years when they have an opportunity to vote to decide on their community's future, uh, for whatever reason, some people just opt not to participate. As you point out, especially in, in off-year elections, the, the turnout tends to be extremely low. Yes, uh, the turnout's low. Uh, I urge everyone to vote. I urge everyone to take part in community groups. Uh, they are the strength of the community. People are the strength of the community. And if you're part of a uh, community uh, organization in Endicott, um, uh, stay involved and help the community develop. Larry Coppola, the Democratic candidate for mayor of Endicott. And uh, we certainly would welcome the Republican candidate, Nick Burlingame, to uh, come on the program uh, perhaps tomorrow, and uh, Linda Jackson, who's running as an independent this year, she's welcome to come on if she has any thoughts um, tomorrow ahead of the uh, election day coming up on Tuesday. Thank you very much for your time, and I love your music. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll make note of that. One person <laughs> loves our music. Thank you for coming in. It's 1124. Coming up next, phone calls. If you have thoughts, we have our phone lines at 607-772-1290. It's Binghamton Now on WNBF.
justice system just because you're rich you shouldn't have the best representation far better representation than 98 percent of the other people who wind up before a judge right and just because you're poor you shouldn't avoid jail until you commit murder either no i'm I'm saying i want the uh, justice system in this country to start treating people equally when will that start well that's a good question. See, there is no answer because it's not going to happen. Right. but for Right. So if you're rich, if you have lots of money for the best attorneys on the planet, you get one type of justice. And then for the rest of us, we get another brand. Batisti, even though, I mean... Got to do it, Bob. Can't gamble. Can't gamble on another Democrat being a DA anywhere in this country. We should not allow that. Shouldn't happen. We got enough crime, enough problems. We don't need to gamble on them. We can't trust them. What about George Soros? Well, you brought him up. I wasn't going to, Bob. Oh, I mean, no. I, no, I, I just had to ask since you didn't bring it up. I was, um, was a bit concerned. <laughs> thought maybe we're having some problems with the phone system. Thank you, Dave from Vestal. So what do you think? I'll throw it out to the listeners. What do you think about our justice system? Is the system of justice in the United States fair to every citizen, regardless of their financial resources? 607-772-1290. Fairness. Fairness is what we're about. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and available to everybody who can afford the Internet via WNBF.com. WNBF fun, natural fun at 1136. 
Back to the phones we go. Good morning, WNBF. What's your name? What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Vinny from Binghamton, Bob. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I got my friend up here from uh, far away, and I just happened to turn the radio on. We're doing a couple things here around the house, and just wanted to hear the, the program, and I just heard Dave from Vestal on. And uh, I, I got to tell you, Bob. You know, you know what your problem is, Bob. You have too much of a voice of a reason. Now, to, to call in and talk about every DA that's a Democrat across this country, and this is this is and tag them to crime is just absolutely absurd. But you came back with a voice of reason, Bob. And the next thing I heard it was crickets for a while. No place to go. And this is why they get. This is why certain certain groups get mad when they talk to you because every time you come back with common sense, they get mad. But we were just laughing listening to it. You know, the the crime system. If if a group wants to change the rules of our justice system, why don't you focus on changing the rules instead of stuff like Hunter Biden's this? Hillary Clinton's emails, Joe Biden's ties to this and that, which you still haven't proved. Oh, and George Soros. Did you hear when I because I was concerned because in the past there have been suggestions and I for the life of me, I, I have no idea how this ties in, but suggestions that somehow George Soros is is involved in a local DA's race and and so I, I thought maybe maybe we hadn't been getting the 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 full transmission from the caller and it turns out when i mentioned george soros he seemed taken aback so i i humbly strike that from the record i just thought that was one of the talking points in the past but apparently that's been dismissed as being irrelevant which it is by the way but (laughs) well you know they keep dragging out these old costumes the same old thing and that's why you see what's going on in washington today the house give me a break Oh, what about George Santos? Speaking of George, so, you know, you know, Santos Claus is coming back to Long Island and sadly the people in his district are still represented by him. Now I didn't say he actually committed a crime. As far as I know, uh, he hasn't been convicted of any, any of these, uh, alleged, um, illegal activities at this point. But I think primarily Republicans in New York, the New York Republicans in Congress basically wanted him to leave. And unfortunately, not enough of their colleagues in other states thought that, that George Santos is uh, is really embarrassing. I mean, I don't even think it's a, a partisan thing. I think it's more just a, a straightforward governmental thing that, you know, George Santos may be one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Well, you probably know, not, but I'm not. I'm not saying just based on on what we know in his public record. I don't think he's really. Um, I don't think he's got the stuff of what members of Congress should be made of. Well, well no, probably not. But I'll, I'll tell you what. This is what I've heard. I don't have the gentleman's name here, but um, that was Democrat. That was in that district that had won. And what happened is that Democrat tried running for governor against Kathy Hochul. Well, that. That individual is coming back. He's right. running again yeah. in 2024. So once again, the Democrats, we'll, we'll take care of the mess. We got our shovel. We'll, we'll clean it up. 
All right, you guys just stand aside. We'll clean it up because. As you can see, you guys can't take care of your problems. You know, long term, <laughs> by the way, long term, I know this isn't why you called, but it just occurred to no. me, long term, you know, where where Santos will probably wind up, if not prison, and again, I'm not in a position to convict him of anything. I, hey, that's that's up for the, the legal system. I mean, he for the time being, in the view mm-hmm. of the law, I guess Santos is as innocent as I am. But I, I still think that he's on a trajectory. If he manages not to get himself incarcerated, he's going to uh-huh. either wind up with a show on Fox or probably more likely on Newsmax. <laughs> That's it. Probably more That's likely it. on Newsmax because Fox is trying to fix its house. So I don't, I don't know. Even, um, even Rupert's kid, I don't think would hire George uh, Santos uh, if he ever gets kicked out of Congress. Or I mean, certainly the. Let's just put it this way: the prospects for his re-election at this point seem uncertain, even though he he's announced that he's running again. So, um, oh yeah, sorry, I was trying to maintain a, a certain lack of laughter there, but it's difficult. Anyway, appreciate your call. Glad you're listening with um, an out of towner, so they can get a, a flavor of what Binghamton now is all about. Vic from Herkimer. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Hey. I, I believe this is about the second time that I have to agree with the first part of Vinny's argument about uh, uh, blatantly uh, accusing every Democrat DA of being crooked or, uh, you know, from the caller from Vestal or wherever he was from. But I'm calling to tell people, Bob, and I, as you know, Bob, I'm a Republican. I have the Republican values, blah, 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 blah. But I'm also an intelligent Republican. I look at candidates from both sides. I voted for Obama in 2007 because he was new. He had hope and change. Great, great campaign. I didn't vote for him in 2011 because he turned out to be a complete failure, in my opinion. However, I I looked at both these candidates running for the DA, and I know both of them. You know I know both of them. Uh, There's things I can't say and I won't say, but I picked the better choice because I am educated on the choices. Matt Ryan is the best choice we have, and this is a Republican saying that because he does have ethics. And, yes, he did say in his campaign that he was going to give misdemeanor and nonviolent crimes a second chance. But that's been done throughout the last hundred years here in Binghamton. They don't just throw people in jail because it costs over a million dollars a year for each prisoner. So let's look at the facts here, Bob. Matt is going to do the rehabilitation on uh, uh, misdemeanor crimes and not violent crime. And it's called the second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance. He told me on the violent crimes, he will prosecute them with a vengeance. So uh, where people get this stuff from, I, you know, it's not from being educated, it's from thinking along party lines. And I'm saying don't be afraid to cross party lines. We got two choices for DA in Broome County, possibly three with the right end of Korchak. But we have to make the right choice to keep our community safe. Right now, it's Matt Ryan on the Democrat ticket. Appreciate your opinion. Thank you. And, of course... Still time for more opinions here on WNBF, where 
as somebody once said, everyone has an opinion. I can't remember who said that. I think it was Abraham Lincoln. Everyone has an opinion. I remember hearing, I think it was not his most impressive speech, but it was, obviously, I'm kidding. I didn't hear that. We have no tapes. Lordy, we have no tapes. Uh, 11.44 here at WNBF with... um, we still have time for a few calls, I suppose. 607-772-1290. As mentioned a moment ago, the House failed to pass a resolution to expel George Santos. The measure got nowhere near the two-thirds majority required. 213 members voted against the measure. 19 voted present. Well, there's courage. I vote present. I won't vote for or against expelling George Santos. Present. Santos has not been convicted of a crime, but he does face several felony charges at an ethics inquiry. This is what George Santos said after Republicans in the House decided he should stay with them. I feel like due process is still alive. I feel like there's enough colleagues on both sides of the aisle here who understand that. And I think that this isn't a victory for me. And as I just told you, this is a victory for due process. That was George Santos reacting to the decision by uh, his Republican friends to keep them there. Congressman Nick Lalata of New York says this is not the end of the line. It's likely to be right after the Ethics Committee publishes their findings, which we've been told it's going to be on or before November 17th. All right. Well, as far as uh, what will happen with George Santos, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. I mean... In the interest of full disclosure, whether George Santos remains in Congress or whether he's kicked out or whether he resigns, it's unlikely to have any real impact on my life. And he, he's made clear, crystal clear, he, he has no intention of going anywhere. So as far as I can see, legally, he's entitled to stay there. Um... Unless and until he gets convicted or until his term expires. Who knows? I I can't speak for the people of his Long Island district. Maybe they will reelect him next year. It's 1147. Let's take another call. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? The return of Bob Provosto. Welcome back. What's on your mind? I think somebody, I think uh, Dave the other day said Bob from Manuel. I quit listening to you because, you know, my doctor told me my blood pressure can't go up over 300 anymore. So I turned the radio on 10 minutes ago just for the hell of it. Are you and Vinny like the same person or something? Or do you clone each other? The, chuckling it up about the... What about the Democrats? Does that man ever look at the other side? I don't understand. I look at this Santos guy's a moron. They're all more. You know how I feel about politicians. I can't stand any of them. Don't, don't call him that. But these people do not ever look at the crooked Democrats. 
this world is burning right now because of your big hero, Barack and Joe. That's where it started in 2009. I'm hearing more and more people pick up on what I've been saying for years now. And you, if that Vinny guy might call back even after I get off, and he'll say, that guy, yeah, yeah. He loved Obama. That's all, all Obama walks on water. Man, when I hear that guy, I'm telling you, I just can't believe it. I've never heard him say a bad word about a Democrat. And I'll say bad things about Republicans. A lot of them are stupider than a doorknob. Yeah, but when you when you look back overall... And Don't try and, to tell me you're big. You start filibustering now. Well, I'm just saying that Barack Obama wasn't all bad. Away from the dinner table, I was introduced to dog meat, tough, snake meat, tougher, and roasted grasshopper, crunchy. See, that's a lot of the reason I don't call here. You're not a serious person. You you think everything is a big joke? Wait till this country's taken over by these people that are infiltrating in here. We'll see what you liberals think of that. And the first one that blames Trump, they better watch out. I'll hunt them down. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, did you hear Ivanka doesn't want to testify? It's, I don't care it, about it's enough, Ivanka. It's enough I to make you sick. I don't care about that. I care about it because, look, the, the sons are going to testify. I think Don Jr. testified yesterday, and I think he's continuing his testimony today. I believe Eric may testify this afternoon. The former guy scheduled to testify Monday, and Ivanka was supposed to testify next Wednesday, and now she's trying to be excused from testifying about the former guy's organization. That former guy stuff, when you say that, that's another thing that sets me up. The, the former guy had this country great. Nobody messed with us. We were paying half of what we do at the grocery store. Don't you people see how wrong this is? I go to Aldi now, and I grab three or four things that used to cost two-something. Now it's five-something. I can't afford this. I don't get a lot of money from Social Security, and every time I turn around, my wallet's empty again because of Joe Biden, the guy that can't even talk. When are you people going to wake up? All right. All right, thanks for checking in. It's 11.51 at News Radio, WNBF, serving America. I am the voice of reason on your radio dial, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Also a voice of reason on the Internet. The Internet is populated with unreasonable voices, but one voice of reason does stand out at WNBF.com. And also on the free app, the WNBF app, providing a true voice of reason to you weekdays from 9 to noon. It's only 15 hours a week, I'll admit. What you do with the other 153 hours of the week, hey, that's that's up to you. It's a free country. But I will serve as a voice of reason. From a subterranean studio surrounded by thousands of tons of glass, concrete, and steel. All I have now is a phone and four microphones. No turntables. 
a phone and four microphones. That's all we have, but it's adequate. It's adequate. Speaking of the tree, and man, I love I love those videos of the tree and Vestal. Those are great videos. Oh, look, another <laughs> another email from a satisfied viewer. Uh, this is from Carolyn, town of Windsor. Glad to hear the publicity for the tree from Vestal going to grace Rockefeller Center. Here is some trivia. I am aware of a tree that was chosen in Harford, Pennsylvania and taken to Rockefeller Center. It was quite a few years ago, like the people in Vestal and Broome County being excited about their tree going to such a prominent place for millions of people to see. The same happened with the people in Harford and Susquehanna County. Thank you, Carolyn. Hope you have a great day. What else? <laughs> oh, Jesse and Owego, priceless. Thank you. Jesse also weighed in about George Santos. George Santos, Jesse from Owego writes, hasn't been removed from Congress only because he hasn't been convicted of anything. Only accusations. If he does after his court hearing, then they may hold another vote to remove him. Well, you have a point. I, I acknowledge that Mr. Santos has yet to be convicted of any of these, um, we'll call them issues. He has legal issues. <laughs> yes, he has legal issues. If you think, and I'm, I'm sure there are probably millions of people across this great country who think George Santos is helping Republicans in Congress, if you think he is, <laughs> if you think he's helping Republicans in Congress, then I think he should stay. I think the reason why most New York Republicans wanted him to leave now I believe the reason I believe the reason they wanted him to leave now is because they think he's an embarrassment to the party. They think that they're going to be tainted by being associated with Team Santos, even if they've had nothing to do with him. So my uneducated guess is simply that Republicans, those who voted Wednesday evening for George Santos to be kicked out. I don't think it's personal. I think it's strictly political. I think they're worried that it's going to be guilt by association. And is that fair? No, it's not fair. But are some people perhaps going to jump to a conclusion that other members of the Republican Party are like George Santos. Some people might jump to that conclusion, and I think that's one of the key reasons that some Republicans voted for George Santos to be kicked out. But, as we saw, it was nowhere near enough, so George Santos remains a proud Republican member of the House of Representatives. I'm Bob Joseph. I hope you've enjoyed the program today. Tomorrow's program will be even more enjoyable. Catch you tomorrow morning here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.